Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast. The Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Julia Hartley Brewer at breakfast on talk radio. Good morning to you. This is Talk Radio Breakfast with me, Julia Hartley Brewer. Thank you very much indeed for your company. Robert Jenrick joins us now. He's Housing Communities and Local Government Secretary. Good morning to you, sir. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Are we going to have a vote tomorrow after a very long 90-minute debate on whether or not we should shut down our country, shut down our economy, close businesses that may never again reopen? Um, Has the government carried out an impact assessment of the cost of the lockdown? Uh, Well, the government does take advice. Obviously, the Chancellor's officials at the Treasury are constantly assessing the economic harms. We take advice from the OBR, the chief economist at the Treasury. So those thoughts are very uppermost in our minds. And Julia, that's exactly why we pursued the local regionalised approach for so long, because we didn't want to take the step of having tough national measures. But it became very apparent at the end of last week that that was no longer sustainable, that there was going to be a really serious uh, situation within the NHS in all parts of the country within a matter of weeks, and that we had to take action. Let me ask you the question again. Has the government carried out an impact assessment of the costs of lockdown? Well, the government, as I said, is, is taking advice uh, from our... Shall uh, I ask the question advisors. a third time? Has the government carried out an impact assessment? Well, you're asking an unreasonable question because... impact asking an unreasonable question. We, we, because we take advice all the time from our economic advisors. That's what the Chancellor does. He has some of the brightest people alongside him in the Treasury who are constantly advising him on the economic impacts. We take advice from the Office of Budget Responsibility who model what's happening within the economy and, and what that informs the Chancellor's actions. And all of that points to the very significant harm that's happening in the economy. No, nobody is hiding the fact that there are now hundreds of thousands of people who've lost their jobs as a result of the pandemic. And it's likely that there's going to be more people who will okay. lose their jobs. So, so the, the government has, the government that, has been given we, advice. That's why we approach these measures with a heavy heart. Mr Jedrick, the government has been given advice, you're saying, on what the economic costs of the lockdown would be. And indeed, one would hope also the health uh, and lives costs of the lockdown. We know in terms of the extra lives lost during the lockdown, something in the region of 20,000, nothing to do with COVID, but as a result of the lockdown measures. So presumably then they have carried out an impact assessment, looking up the costs and the benefits of not going into lockdown and the costs and the benefits of going into lockdown. What one might call an impact assessment. Has the government carried out an impact assessment and have you seen it? Well, as I said repeatedly, the Chancellor and the government 
have taken advice from our economic advisors. We publish, or the OBR independently publishes, their forecasts for the state of the economy, uh, the employment market, and the state of the public finances. Uh, We're unusual in this country in having an independent body that does that, and that's the right Is the answer no? Should we just save everyone a lot of time? If the answer is no... Well, what I said very clearly, Julia, is that we are taking advice. I didn't ask you about taking advice. I'd be frankly, pretty terrified if the government wasn't taking advice. But if the answer is no, can you be honest with my listeners and say, no, there is no published impact assessment? Well, no no assessment that you've seen. There's not a specific document, if that's what you're asking. There's for, not a specific not, document. So, so when, the, when talk- economic decisions like this are yeah. taken on account of all of the information that's available to us. As I said, uh, the Chancellor is working through the economic data. It's informed by Yes, we said that. We don't need to say that again. With all due respect, we don't need to hear the same thing repeated again and again. So you're saying there is not a document which the government has put together looking at the costs and the benefits of not going into lockdown and the costs and the benefits of not going into lockdown. There is no impact assessment. So when Tory MPs who are worried about the effect of lockdown, they ask, can they see the impact assessment that the government has carried out? There isn't one to be published. Is that correct? Correct, yes or no? Julia, we took this decision in Is that light correct, of yes or well, no, Ju- sir? Julia, I think you're... Let me finish my point, because it's important... Will you then the answer my question? Here, because we've taken this decision with a heavy heart. None of us wanted to put these extra measures in place, the burdens that they bring on businesses and the harm it will do to people's livelihoods. But the very clear advice that we received towards the end of last week was that the NHS was likely to be overwhelmed in many parts of the country, including in places where the rate of the virus was comparatively low, like places like the West Country. and no The NHS is going to be overwhelmed in the West Country. No reasonable Prime Minister could ignore that advice. That was absolutely okay. clear. It was that by early December, the NHS was likely to be overwhelmed and NHS staff were going to be placed in impossible situations. We couldn't take that course. We had to take decisive action. Of course, what we hope and expect will happen now is that as a result of these decisive measures, by the 2nd of December, we'll be able to exit that, return to the proportionate regionalised approach that we've pursued so far, and that will enable significant restrictions all over the country. Okay, Um, You are aware that when the Prime Minister on Saturday night told us that 4,000 people a day could die as a result of one of the predictions that had been seen, that that Cambridge University computer modelling has already been completely debunked and was debunked on Sunday night. It was not only uh, three weeks old and has since been updated with far, far lower numbers, but that model itself predicted that we would, by the weekend, have had 1,000 deaths a day. We're on roughly 200, 250 deaths a day on average. So nothing like the numbers that were predicted. Do you think that we should be going into a lockdown costing, I mean, billions to the economy, probably millions of jobs, tens of thousands of businesses, affecting people's freedoms, probably in the long run, as the World Health Organization has said, not save any lives in the long run? And we're doing that, A, without any impact assessment on the cost of that, and B, based on computer modelling that we already know is wrong. No, that's not correct, Julia. The Prime Minister... And his science, well, you're referring to, I think, one slide. The Prime Minister's advisors, the Chief Medical Officer and the Chief Scientific Officer laid out a whole range of different measures that, that they've that taken. That was the one the Prime Minister chose to quote. Which they have advised the Prime Minister. To me, the most telling of all of the uh, pieces of data they presented to the Prime Minister and to the public that day was the profound impact on the NHS 
We see that happening in our hospitals across the country, in my local area, in Nottinghamshire, there are more people in hospital now uh, with COVID and more using ICU today than there were at the peak of the first uh, phase of the virus. That's the same in many other parts of the country. And it's that very serious impact, very real, undeniable, in hospitals across the country that is driving us to take these further steps. Why are the hospitals in the, the, why are the, hospitals in the hardest hit part of the country not seeing any uh, greater... Any Mr. Jenrick, the hospitals in the in the parts of the country, like Liverpool and Manchester, some of the most hardest hit parts of the country at the current time with the virus, they are not seeing any capacity of ICU units any higher than they normally would this time of year. Why is that? No, that that's not true. That is the, true. It was very clear that there are in many cases more individuals in hospital. You, know, using, you, you do know that these statistics are publicly available. And the advice that the chief medical officer gave to the prime minister was clear that even taking into account all the extra capacity that we've built up over the course of the year, including the Nightingale hospitals, by early December, it was likely that the NHS would be overwhelmed. I don't think any responsible prime minister with that advice could have done otherwise than the prime minister has done and suggest that we're going to take further tough national measures for a limited period. I mean, I, I would argue that a responsible prime minister would would check with uh, the actual data, which shows that infection rates in all of the areas which you are talking about are actually either slowing uh, level or are going down. Uh, no, in some of the uh, places, yes. <laughs> some of the places that you're referring to, the number of cases has plateaued. That's as a result of the measures that have already been taken. That's a good thing. But we're also seeing in many of those places the, the age brackets continuing to rise, so the, the infection rising up the age brackets. And so, yes, there are fewer younger people in some cases having the virus, but more people okay. in the older in... age brackets. Who are those who are most likely to be seriously unwell and hospitalized okay. and we are continuing to see serious pressure on the NHS? Unfortunately, you're seeing that very vividly in Liverpool. That's one of the reasons why we've chosen Liverpool, of course, today to be the first the mass place. testing. OK, let's, let's, let's talk about Liverpool then, because cases overall, this is official figures. I'm not making this up. It's not a matter of opinion. Official figures show cases overall peaked a week before the tier three restrictions were imposed on the 14th of October. They have dropped steadily ever since. There's no noticeable drop off after tier three was introduced. And if you mention the age breakdown, there, there has actually been a significant fall off in the 60 to 69 year old age group. Uh, and the median age in ICU currently is 61. So there's uh, the cases in over 60s are the what's that drives admissions to hospitals. Those are the people we have to worry about getting sick, getting very sick and, and then possibly dying. And cases in over 60s uh, have actually gone down in the last three weeks. So those are the official figures from the NHS. And you're telling me, no, those cases are on the up. Well, what we're discussing today, Julia, is that in <laughs> Liverpool, we're going to be introducing mass testing, which will help to take forward the efforts that have been going on, uh, I think, with great Are you success. going to address my question, sir? Well, I'm not sure what figures you're quoting. Are you not sure, you're not sure what figures I'm quoting. Well, I mean, I can send them to you afterwards. They're from the they're from the website coronavirus.data.gov.uk, the official government figures on coronavirus. I don't know if you're going to count those as trustworthy or not. The official figures tell you that the infection rate is going down, admissions to hospitals are going down, over 60s admissions to hospitals are going down. And they went, they were going down before you even had tier three in Liverpool, and they're still going down now. And you've just told me, no, they're going up, and that's why we need to have a lockdown. I'm telling you, if the reason, the reason why you think we need a lockdown is because infections are going up, you're wrong. 
Well, the rate of infection, let's, let's step back. The rate of infection is above R. R is above 1 in all parts of the country. But going down. The number of cases are rising in many parts of the country. And the very clear advice was that NHS hospitals were likely to be overwhelmed in many parts of the country. Even though infection now, rates are going down. You might take that advice lightly. I think the Prime Minister was right to take that seriously. And I think most reasonable people listening to your programme today would say that if a Prime Minister is advised by the NHS, by the Chief Medical Officer, the NHS was likely to be overwhelmed despite all the extra capacity. Despite so infections going down. By the first week in December, that we therefore need to take further actions. As I say, it appears that your argument is that we should ignore that advice. and take My argument is that we should look at the facts. Right. I know this is old-fashioned, but I think it should catch on at some point when we are looking at destroying our economy, destroying people's lives and livelihoods. Yes. Well, I think you're making a a, a false argument there because none of us would want to be taking these measures lightly. (laughs) You can see that we... There were many others who were asking for for further measures, for full national lockdowns, long before we took this difficult decision. For us, it wasn't something that we relished. We want to protect people's livelihoods and we're acutely conscious of the impact of these measures. But we do have to take heed in the end of very stark advice. All right. I know we're we're out of time. There's lots I want to ask you about furlough, but it took us a long time to get to where we were on these figures. One final question. Uh, Which of your homes are you planning to spend uh, the lockdown in this time? Well, I'll be working throughout the lockdown because I've got an important role within the government. and I'll be working with my fantastic team here in Westminster. So you'll be staying in London or will you be travelling to a constituency or to your family home in Herefordshire? Well, Julia, my thoughts at the moment are purely on my job. I'm working hard to try and support. You don't know where you're going to be for the next month? I'm I'm working extremely hard in Westminster, Julia. I didn't suggest you you weren't, sir. I'm not, I remotely suggest you weren't. I'm asking where you, there was quite a lot of concern about where you, that you travelled to your second home during the first lockdown against the, against the the rules in place then. I'm asking if you were going to be doing that this time round. I've been very clear, Julia. I'm going to be in London. I'm working extremely hard to try and support my department and the fantastic people who work alongside me through the weeks ahead. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. 
Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. First up, though, let's talk to Sebastian Gorka. He's advisor to President Donald Trump. He's also host of the America First podcast. Good morning to you, Sebastian. Good morning, Julia. Lovely to speak to you. Um, there's a fascinating stories today. Donald Trump warning against delays in getting a result, saying there are fears of unrest. He said it would put our country in danger. Meanwhile, Joe Biden has warned that Trump uh, warned against Trump trying to steal the election. How early do you think we'll know which man has won? Well, Julie, I think we're going to see a, a redo of the incredible upset for the mainstream media and the left that occurred in 2016, where we'd been told for months that Hillary Clinton had it in the bag and the New York Times was preaching that she has a 90, 91% chance of winning. I think there are going to be some uh, very, very disappointed Democrats. They're already panicking in the last 48 hours here with the incredible turnout of the president's rallies and some reversals in the polls. So I think uh, the big states that count in our electoral college system, such as Pennsylvania and Florida, will be called for the president by midnight uh, of, of the day. And then uh, I think a battle royale will be joined in the courts because the Democrats, and especially Democrat governors, will try to steal this election with the so-called ballot harvesting and the ideas that certain states have said, well, it's going to take, who knows, two weeks, three weeks to count the votes. So the first time in American history, we will have tens of millions of votes potentially outstanding. But the key states will be declared. And I think the president will be in very good shape, Julia. It's absolutely fascinating. I mean, again, Florida is going to be absolutely key. Pennsylvania, that Donald Trump was uh, out uh, campaigning there. But he has been for months now talking about how the postal ballots can't be trusted. You can't trust Democrat governors. Uh, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to get a, a certain vote. Uh, that has really undermined the, 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 the whole process that we have in a democracy of, of the, the peaceful transition of power. Um, how, how risky do you think that is for the American democracy? We understand people have been out buying guns because people are so fearful of unrest on the street. And they should be. In the last 10 months, in Democrat states and cities, we've seen abhorrent violence, whether it's Seattle, whether it's Portland, whether it's Baltimore, we've seen the left out of control. It's, it's not Trump supporters that are looting businesses and trying to burn down churches. It's Biden voters. It's the well, Democrats. You, well, you, do, you don't. You don't know that. You you do, you don't no, know don't. what those people. Hang on, hang on, hang on, Julia. Support. Come on, come on, come on, come on. A bit of common sense. When when Black Lives Matter storm through Seattle and shops are burnt, it's not Trump supporters who are doing it. Why is it that half of D.C. half of D.C. is now boarded up, Julia? Boarded up the nation's capital because they're afraid, and shop owners are spray-painting on the plywood BLM. Why? Because they're daubing it like the Jews daub blood over their lintels to save themselves from the wrath of the mob. If these, if these were right-wing arsonists, wouldn't they be writing MAGA on the plywood? Of course not. You're saying the people, left has normalised violence. You're saying people, people are scared. Well, uh, um, in terms of what's actually likely to happen, then there was a bet, a million pound bet on uh, on Biden to win in the UK yesterday, and then there was a five million pound. Five bet on million. Trump. Now I know an awful lot of people who say who in those sort of markets. I'm I'm far too scared of betting myself. But they but they've absolutely convinced Biden. Sure thing. All of those problems with the polls that we had with Hillary Clinton in 2016. They that's 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 been dealt. 
start with that these polls are going to be accurate this time round. You're saying, no, they're not. And Donald Trump is going to pull it off yet again. All I know is that none of the major polling companies have demonstrated in the last four years any significant alteration or modification in their methodology. None of them. Zero. I also know that yesterday, the president's last rally in Pivotal, Pennsylvania, a friend of mine was there on the ground. His last rally out of five had 57,000 people in attendance. If Joe Biden gets 15, he's lucky. All I know, Julia, is that yesterday, myself, I was in a caravan around the beltway of D.C., of Washington, with hundreds of vehicles with us uh, flying our Trump flags, our stars and stripes. You don't see any of that. There is no enthusiasm for sleepy, creepy Beijing Biden. Nobody in America wakes up in the morning and says, wow, I'm going to vote for Joe. Nobody does. But people stand in line in the freezing cold for hours to hear the president who, who just a couple of hours ago finished his fifth event of the day. That's that's a politician who makes things happen. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. The uh, horrific story of this uh, terror attack in Vienna, just the latest terror attack uh, across the European continent we've been seeing. Uh, it is thought to, to have been carried out by ISIS sympathising terrorists. Three people have known to be killed, uh, 15 people in total injured, a number of those critically injured. Uh, one gunman uh, was actually shot dead by the police. Uh, six different locations we saw terror attacks uh, begin. Uh, the suspect who was shot dead by the police was armed with an assault rifle and handguns and was wearing dummy explosives vest. Well, it turned out to be a dummy explosive vest. Uh, the uh, uh, Viennese police have said that it was uh, an Islamist extremist motive and that gunmen remain on the loose. The population of Vienna have been told to stay at home. Uh, joining me to discuss this, Professor Anthony Gleese from the Centre of Security and Intelligence Studies at the University of Buckingham. Good morning to you. Good morning, Julia. Um, another morning, another horrific terror attack last night. Some of the scenes, um, lots of people might have seen those videos on social media, really quite horrific. There were some concerns initially that this was an attack inside a synagogue. We understand it was very, the first one was near a synagogue. There was also another one near a, a kosher uh, restaurant. Big concerns that it, this, the Jewish community were being targeted in Vienna. Well, it does look like that to me because it's actually very difficult to get inside the synagogue. I mean, judge, judging by pictures, it is by no means implausible that the synagogue in the Zeitenstettenstrasse in Vienna was the target, but that the gunmen could not get in it, so they shot outside it. And, and that's something that we've seen in other places. So that wouldn't be surprising. But I think what is very surprising is that uh, these people were able to get 100 rounds of ammunition, assault rifles and a gun, as well as a knife in Vienna. That suggests their weapons floating around. We're used to these people having knives, yeah. but we're not so used to them having uh, guns. Yeah. And, of course, the fact that this, as you say, is the third Islamist attack in a very small number of days. And I think many people will now be asking, is this part of some planned Islamic state, so-called Islamic state that we thought we had defeated? Is it part of some operation to tell us that they are still there, an operation organized from Arab North Africa rather than from Syria and Iraq? 
That's very worrying. That's the big concern, isn't it? I mean, I mean and thankfully, I mean, not for the, those who sadly lost their lives who have been critically injured. Thankfully, they had um, guns, not not a, you know, semi-automatic rifles. When we go back to what happened, say, at the Bataclan in Paris a few years ago. Um, the, the, the huge, huge loss of life that we saw there, uh, very, very different. Um, this is the thing, though. Uh, it, there, there is this concern that this is just, I mean, the, the targeting of sort of Samuel Paty, the, the French teacher who showed the cartoons to his classroom, the, the Prophet Mohammed cartoons uh, and then of course uh, Christians in a church in Nice uh, last week uh, and now this attack uh, there's a whole range of, of different targets but there has been a concern as you say that, that this is a, a new wave of terror attacks we of course saw these attacks in 2017 in the UK where we had a whole spate week after week went by with more and more terror attacks including Manchester Arena London Bridge and the like um, the reaction internationally um, to this has been very strong President Macron I have to say has covered himself in absolute glory I think in the way he's handled the Samuel Paty attack and indeed the attack in Nice as well in terms of uh, speaking out and demanding, that, frankly, that people that people uh, actually do um, uh, actually stand up for the, 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 the vital rights of free speech in, in, in Western countries. And he did so again yesterday. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, I have I, I myself been criticised by some uh, of my academic colleagues for saying that Macron has done absolutely the right thing. His government has done absolutely the right thing. There is no softly, softly approach to this, uh, particularly in the case of Nice. I mean, I think if you look at the 20-year-old so-called asylum seeker from Tunisia, uh, Bramina Susi, responsible for those horrific attacks on religious worshippers, he looks like a well-trained, in inverted commas, officer of the so-called Islamic State. I suspect he wasn't an asylum seeker in the first place. I think he was dispatched to France to carry out this well, mission. We know this Sim- is what ISIS planned to do. They, they were open about it. They were, they, they when, as soon as the caliphate fell, uh, the ISIS state fell in, in Iraq and Syria, that was what they did. They sent their fighters back to Europe and, and told them to pretend to be asylum seekers to get into the countries to, to instigate terror attacks. I mean, this is playing out exactly as everyone foretold. Are, are, they- are, you, are you concerned, though, that the fact that this there were six separate incidents, this was an organised terror cell, much harder to catch these lone gunmen or, or, or lone uh, knife men if they don't actually, they're just looking at stuff online but they don't actually uh, uh, have conversations with anyone and they're not online with people. But but six people, they the fact that they these this was not spotted in advance is going to be a real concern. Yes. I, to be honest, I'm not sure about this kind of lone wolf idea. And as I certainly think these attackers not only do not appear to be acting alone, but they do appear to be acting in concert. The vast majority of Muslims in France, in Austria, in the UK, want absolutely nothing to do with these killers. But these killers are out there, and they're out there in Europe. As you say, Julia, they threatened us with this uh, as as their, their so-called state was being destroyed. They threatened us with this. They've obviously made it to Arab North Africa. That is the base of their operations. And, of course, the $64,000 question, I'm afraid, is are they going to try and have another go at us here in the United Kingdom? This is a common European problem that we're facing. They're uh, probably exploiting the COVID crisis. They may even be exploiting what we fear may be the unrest in the United States of America. We look weak and vulnerable. And 
uh, that is their opportunity. So we must be very much on the alert. And as you say, we must stand with President Macron, now with uh, Sebastian Kurz in Austria, because this is a common a common attack yeah, on our European Absolutely. way of life. Just finally, and brief, briefly, if you would, yeah. Anthony, do, do you think that uh, the sort of almost call to arms from President Erdogan saying he's been insulted, the Muslim uh, people have been insulted, and, and certainly there's been a lot of criticism of him on this. Do, do you think that President Erdogan has any hand in this? I doubt if he's stupid enough to be in any way involved in this. No, but, no, but I mean we... in inciting this, in uh, Oh, in, 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 in incitement, I have no doubt that Erdogan sees a future for himself as the leader of the Islamic world in the Mediterranean European space. And that is why we are so right. Uh, he's not been admitted to the European Union. He won't be. We in the UK have got to be very, very careful in our own dealings with Turkey. This has got to be resisted. There can be no uh, softly, softly, nimini, pimini approach. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.